In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Epiphany as a holiday does indeed focus on the theme of light. And that's why Isaiah 60 is our Old Testament reading this morning. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so as we read Isaiah 60, as we read our gospel in Matthew chapter 2, we should recognize something about what it means to connect with Christ as the light. Right? Christ is not simply a flashlight that gives a little bit of guidance in the darkness of this world. No, rather, Christ is like the sun. Christ dispels all darkness. The light of Christ makes all other light seem insignificant. In other words, to talk about the light of Christ on Epiphany is to talk about Christ as king, Christ as Lord. All powers, all principalities, all people, everything is subject to him. Just as in the sky, no star, no comet, no planet, no asteroid can compare to the brightness of the sun, nothing compares to the brightness of Christ. And that's what Epiphany means. An Epiphany is a revelation, a disclosure of something we did not yet fully know. And on Epiphany, we celebrate that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the Christ child. Right? God discloses himself to us. And by disclosing himself to us through Christ, he discloses the whole world through his light to us. And so today we recognize that Christ is above all. And so the lordship of Christ, Christ being above all, that's the real theme of the story of the Magi. And so looking at Matthew 2, I would like to begin with kind of repainting the picture of the wise men. So as you know, that the word that gets translated wise men is in fact magi. And magi literally just means magicians. Right? It's where we get our English word magic. In the ancient world, these magicians were not just sorcerers who cast magic spells like we might think of as a magician or a wizard. Rather, they were also astrologers. They were fortune tellers. They were dream interpreters. And the good ones did not just have dark storefront shops where you paid a few dollars to have your fortune read. Rather, they were known as advice givers to politicians and to kings. Right? Remember the story of Joseph in Genesis. Although not a magician, he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams because the Lord had given him that gift. But Pharaoh's magicians, Pharaoh's magi, could not. There's a similar story in the book of Daniel. Right? Nebuchadnezzar's magi cannot tell him what his dreams mean. Daniel can because the Lord reveals it to him. Even in Acts chapter 13, there's a magician named Bar-Jesus who works for a governor and who tries to keep Paul and Barnabas from preaching the gospel to the governor. Paul makes that man's vision dark, showing that the magician is no guide to truth and has no real power. <clears throat> and so in the Bible in general, magi were men trusted by the king because of their abilities to use magic and to have secret knowledge to give advice to people in power. It was believed that these men had the tools and the insight to tap into sources of information that other mortal men did not. And so these magicians and astrologers were not well liked by faithful Jews in the Old Testament. Instead, they always opposed the true prophets of God. 
that got in the way and had to be put in their place by the Lord's messengers. And this shows up over and over in the Bible. In the story of Joseph and Moses, Elijah, Daniel, stories of the apostles. And so we often have the view from our nativity plays and our paintings and our songs that there were three wise, rational, learned, well-respected, kingly figures. We imagine that the Magi were beloved and gentle. But this isn't exactly the picture we're given in the Bible. Instead, Magi would have been viewed by faithful Jews as enemies of God. They were using magic and astrology to claim information. This was something that was forbidden by God in the Old Testament. These are the people who usually oppose God's prophets. These are the people who believe they have some control over nature, that they have special insight into the future. These are the people who the Jews believed led others astray because they pointed to some other truth than that the Lord is God. And so when the Magi get to Jerusalem, immediately they go to King Herod and they begin to work in his service. Right? This speaks to the wickedness of Herod because under no circumstances should a Jewish king been consulting with magicians. They were seeking out the newborn king so that Herod supposedly could pay homage to him. But in fact, there doesn't seem yet to be any indication that the Magi distrusted Herod. They were working in his service. And so later, not until God reveals it to him, will they come to distrust him. But the story of the Magi in Matthew 2 takes its real turn as the star that they had observed in the east begins to lead them to where the Christ child was. Right, this is something supernatural. Right, so they, follow, they see a star in the sky and they follow it westward. They're from the east. And they don't know where they're going except that somehow the star is over Jerusalem. Right, but now we see that the star is physically leading them to a house. Right, that's something supernatural. You can follow the direction of a star. If a star is in the western sky, you can head west. But a star can't lead you. It cannot lead you to a specific house. And so in our story, the star leads the Magi right to a house, and it stands still right over that house where Christ is. And the Magi recognize this. Right, they come to acknowledge that Christ is not just the king of the Jews. He's not just a successor to Herod. Instead, there's something very, very unique about this child. They see that Christ has a divine right over everyone and everything. Because even the stars move in his service. Right, the story of the wise men coming to Christ, I believe, is a conversion story. It's a story that begins with pagan astrologers working with King Herod and working with the powers of this world. But it ends with these men giving their allegiance to Christ. The stars that the Magi study and observe, the stars that they believe point them to the truth, have now physically and directly led them to Christ. And this is why they are joyful when they arrive. They know now they have met more than a king. They have met the king. And the one last detail we're all familiar with is the presentation of three gifts these magi give to the Christ child. I would imagine that we have all heard at some point that each gift carries with it some symbolism. Right? Something like myrrh is used for anointing, frankincense for burial, gold for a king, or some variation of this idea. 
But again, I would suggest that we could read that differently. The Magi here are not giving symbolic gifts and homage to the king. Rather, they're handing over the tools of their trade and understanding that Christ is the real source of all that's true. Right, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these were common stock and trade of Magi. Magical charms were written in myrrh ink. Frankincense and gold were used in incantations and alchemy. And so they hand over these gifts to Christ, and they're saying, we no longer need these because we have found you. Right? We don't need this magic. We don't need this astrology anymore because we have found the true source of all that's good in this universe. They're submitting themselves to the one who has all the power. They're saying, we're not going to practice magic and astrology anymore because Christ is who we need. And so they bow down and they worship him. In that way, they stand in contrast to Herod in the story. Herod tries to hold on to his power at any cost. Right? He will associate with magicians and failing that. He will seek to kill innocent children. He is frightened that he might lose his power and his status to the Christ child. And so rather than placing his crown at the feet of Jesus, Herod becomes a devil opposing what is good. And so our story gives us two approaches to Christ. Right, we ourselves can acknowledge him as the true Lord over all creation, or we can deny that and resist the truth. For Christians, the revelation that Christ is king of all at Epiphany is our objective fact. It's what we base our faith on. A few years ago, you may have seen the social media trend to say, hashtag not my president, right, as a kind of protest. But the world doesn't work like that. And the person in the White House was president, whether you liked it or not. Likewise, what we see is that Christ is king, whether or not we want to accept it. Here, the Magi accept it, and they turn their lives over to him, whereas Herod does not. And so the key for us is to come to a place like the Magi, in which we see that Christ changes our world, and so we submit to him. The Magi give up the tools of their trade. The Magi give up their beliefs about magic and astrology and fortune-telling because they find the truth. And they found that the truth is better. They found that when they got to the truth, they were joyful. Our text says they worshipped him joyfully. They were no longer just advice givers to authorities of this world. Rather, they were the ones who stood joyfully in the king's presence, the true king's presence. And so on this epiphany, we're called to also ask ourselves, is there anything that stands in the way of acknowledging Christ as Lord, not only of this world, but the Lord of your life? Is there some dark place in your life that you try to keep away from the brightness of the light of Christ? There could be some sin in your life, some conflict you have with another. There could be something that you just feel weighing heavily on your heart but turn it over to Christ. Let Christ be the Lord of your life. Right? The Magi come to a place where they admitted they were living a lie. They admitted that they had an incomplete grasp of the truth. But Christ came to them as the full truth. Christ came to give them a new life, to give them new understanding. And they turned over their old life to him. We also can turn our life over to Christ.
And when we do, we'll find a king who shines the light of goodness on us. We'll find a king who shines his blessings on our hearts. Amen.